The reading is taken from Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir to the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value, and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness." For those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. What do we mean when we say that someone goes out on a limb? It can mean that they're doing something they strongly believe in, even though it's risky even extreme. Other people think they're going to fail. They're going to take a tumble and do themselves some damage. They might be criticised by other people because what they're doing seems to be dangerous, even nonsensical. It's a vivid image of taking a risk, doing something that perhaps you wouldn't normally do. Some would say that no one in their right mind would be prepared to do. You go out on a limb for something or somebody. Mark Twain is credited with saying, why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. And sometimes a chance is worth taking if the reward seems to be sufficiently great. If it's something that you just have to do, you'll go out on a limb for it. Sometimes it can look to other people as if you're going out on a limb. With natural fact, you know that it's safe. You've got confidence that you know what you're doing, you've done your risk assessment, you've figured it out, and, and you know that this is okay for you to do. Others might have questions, but in your own mind, you are sure. So the man in this picture uh, works for a, a firm of tree surgeons, and he knows what he's doing. He's there with his safety harness, 
and he is able to go places where you or I would never venture. Yes, he's going out on a limb, but for him, it's actually relatively safe. You can be assured that he will have assessed the width of the branch on which he's standing. He will have figured out very carefully whether it's strong enough to bear his weight. And where you can see he's venturing out gingerly and carefully there, he will go as far as he knows that it is safe. So going out on a limb in his case is not an act of folly. To be sure there is an element of risk, maybe even of danger. But he knows that his safety depends on the capacity of the branch to bear his weight. And he's got enough experience to figure that out. And that has important implications for understanding how faith works. The man needs enough faith to venture out onto the branch at all in the first place. But his safety does not depend on the amount of faith that he has. His safety depends on whether the branch in which he has put his faith is strong enough to take his weight. Too much faith in a weak branch, and he's in trouble. No faith in a strong branch, he's never going to even climb the tree in the first place. Strong faith in a secure branch, and he's safe. And it's like that when it comes to trusting God. The reason why we can put our trust and our confidence in God is that God is like a secure branch. He will take the weight of your life if you entrust yourself to him. You venture out, other people shake in their heads and think, that's crazy, putting your, your faith in a God that you can't even see. But you venture out, you entrust your life to his grace, and you find that he will take your weight. He will keep you safe. He will not let you fall. Inviting you to put your faith in God is not inviting you to conjure castles out of thin air. Or to suppose that if you have enough faith, the merest twig will support your weight. It's about being able to see that God is strong enough, big enough, powerful enough, good enough, faithful enough to bear the weight of your life if you entrust yourself to him and on that basis venture out on a limb at his invitation hearing him say come to me and it means going out on a limb but because of who he is you respond to his invitation and you go as far as the Apostle Paul was concerned, the great example of faith in action was Abraham, who had faith in God, who raises the dead to life and creates new things. Judaism believed in God as the God of resurrection. 
one of the 18 benedictions said, blessed, blessed be the Lord who gives life to the dead. Whether they were saying that in Paul's day, we're not quite sure, but it's a fundamental part of their faith. Blessed be the Lord who gives life to the dead. And for Paul, Abraham stands out as someone who put that faith into practice. He didn't just believe it in his heart or in his mind, he lived it out. After all, it was on the strength of God's promise that the Lord would give to his descendants a place to live, that this man, who had as yet no children, upped, left his home, and travelled hundreds of miles to live in a tent in the land of which the Lord had spoken to him. He heard God's call to go out on a limb, to believe something that seemed quite incredible. But he went, and he believed. And as the months went by and stretched into years, and the years turned into decades, and he still didn't have a son, it must have been really hard to keep trusting in God's promise. I think the Apostle Paul overstates his case a bit in claiming that Abraham never doubted or questioned God's promise. Uh, Read the story in Genesis, you'll see it certainly looks like he wavered several times. But despite that, in the end, he never gave up. And as Paul puts it, his faith made him strong. In and of himself, he was all over the place, but his faith made him strong. And he gave the glory to God. And why does Paul ascribe to Abraham a faith in the God who raises the dead to life? Well, because when it came to having children, both Abraham and Sarah were so old that they were as good as dead. Without the benefit of IVF, there was no way that Sarah should have been able to conceive. So as far as as having children was concerned, Abraham's body was as dead as a doornail, and Sarah's womb had given up the ghost. It was finished. They were well past the age of having children, and it all seemed completely and utterly hopeless. But despite that, because it was God who had promised, Abraham went out on a limb, put all his money on God, and against all the odds found that he'd backed a winner. Because God came through. Sarah did conceive. She and Abraham did have a son of their own. The first instalment of their family, who it is said would eventually outnumber the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Maybe a bit of hyperbole there, but you get the gist. Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. That's what the scripture says. Abraham's willingness to trust God meant it was Abraham and God against the rest of the world and they were the winning team. Because Abraham trusted God, he found himself on God's side. And his willingness to trust God was the core ingredient in building that relationship with God that sustained him through all the ups and downs of life. 
And reflecting on Abraham's experience, Paul realises that those words about Abraham's faith being credited to him as righteousness didn't just apply to Abraham, trusting God that he would have a son against all the odds. Writing to the Romans, Paul says, those words were written for us, since we also will be accepted because of our faith in God, who raised Jesus to life. There is a direct correlation between Abraham's faith and ours, because like Abraham, we put our faith in a God who raises the dead. For Abraham, faith was a matter of believing that God could bring life out of his own dead body. For us, it is a matter of believing that God actually brought the dead body of Jesus alive out of the tomb where it would have been placed three days beforehand. We share Abraham's faith in a God who raises the dead. And as Abraham found that his trust was credited to him as righteousness, for Paul, trusting God is the key to finding that you are accepted by God. It's the only way. Because we cannot save ourselves. All we can do is put our trust in God to rescue us and save us. If we rely on our own ability to secure God's favour, by the life that we lead or the strength of our faith or the religion that we practice, then we're going to come unstuck. Because ultimately in our relationship with God, as with any relationship actually, trust needs to be at its core. And God calls us to go out on a limb. He pulls us out of our comfort zone. He tells us, invites us, to put our trust and confidence in him. To be in a place of vulnerability, where ultimately the only thing we can rely on is the faith that God is holding on to us and he won't let us go. Without trust, there is never any basis for a relationship. And make no mistake, God wants a relationship with you, with trust at its centre. So he makes it very clear that your trust in his faithfulness is the only basis on which this relationship is going to work and have any kind of future. If we try and base our relationship on God on anything else apart from simply trusting in him, we're just pretending, we are deceiving ourselves. The God who invites us to put our trust in him has a face and a name and an identity. The face and the name are those of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because in Jesus, God becomes one of us. God becomes one with us. Jesus is the place where we encounter the reality of God. Not some grand idea of what God might be like that's of our own making. God says, you want to know me. You want really to know who I am. You've got to trust me. That means accepting Jesus. That means going out on a limb. Putting all your eggs in his basket, if you like. There is no other way 
of finding acceptance by God. The turning point in my life came when I went to church for the very first time as a sceptical teenager and heard the preacher say something I'd never heard before. You can't be a Christian without believing in Jesus Christ, he said. Never struck me before. I thought, as someone who'd been christened and kind of thought God might be there, that probably meant I was a Christian. I was profoundly challenged by the idea you had to believe in Jesus Christ. That was a big ask, especially all this stuff about God raising Jesus from the dead. But he made the point that the word Christ is part of the word Christian. And to think that you can be Christian without Christ is a nonsense. He was absolutely right. Being a Christian is fundamentally about putting your trust in Christ. Nothing else will do. You want to know how you can be sure that everything is okay between you and God? It is simply and purely a matter of putting your trust in Jesus because he died for your sin and he was raised to life again so that you could be acceptable to God. And our transition from death to life, from sin to righteousness, from being estranged from God to being reconciled to God, that transition happens one way and one way alone. It happens through Jesus. Because Jesus became one with us and died and rose again to bring us from death to life. Identifying with us in our sin to bring us from being cut off from God to being God's friends. Taking our sin, putting us right with God. We cannot bridge that gap ourselves no matter how hard we try. Only Jesus can do it. Only Jesus has done it. And that's why finding God, knowing God, discovering that you are accepted by God, starts one way and one way only. By putting your trust in the God who raised his son from the dead to bring you from death to life. And this is the God who calls you to go out on a limb and says, put your trust in me. For Paul, all of this was was deeply and profoundly personal. It wasn't abstract theology. His trust in Christ was tested and proved in the fires of deep depression and intense tribulation and persecution. Writing to one of his more troublesome churches, the one in Corinth, that was a particular source of grief and distress to him over the years, he says that there'd been a time when he'd been in Asia, when his sufferings were so horrible and so unbearable that death itself seemed certain and inescapable. Whatever it was he was wrestling with there, it really felt to him as if he'd reached the end of the line. In fact, he says to the people in Corinth, we felt sure that we were going to die.
We felt sure that we were going to die. But this made us stop trusting in ourselves and start trusting God who raises the dead to life. The result was that God saved him from the threat of death. And there is God again, inviting Paul to go out on a limb and put his trust in God when everything seems utterly hopeless. So for Paul, the belief that God is the God who raises the dead wasn't just an intellectual assent to the proposition that Jesus was raised from the grave. For him, the belief that God raises the dead meant that God turned his own situation around. When there was nothing left for Paul but dust and ashes, he found that God brought new life. When he found himself staring death in the face, he found against all odds that God gave him a new lease of life. When he was utterly crushed by an overwhelming sense of failure and despair, he found the God of resurrection lifting him to his feet again. When his own life had completely given out, he found the life of the risen Lord Jesus Christ within his heart, making him a new man again. He could say to the Galatians, it's no longer I who am alive, it's Christ living in me. His will to live, his capacity to carry on against the odds, grew out of and was entirely dependent on his faith in the God who raises the dead. That's what kept him going. That's what gave him the victory. That's what saw him through. And he knew that if his trust had not been in the God of resurrection, he would have been finished once and for all. It would have been curtains. But going out on a limb, he found that's where he met the God who raises the dead to life. And putting his trust in that God, he found that God did not let him down. So whatever situation you find yourself in tonight, however hopeless everything might seem, you are not helpless. The God who raises the dead invites you to go out on a limb and put your trust in him and see how he comes through for you. One day, of course, Paul did face death and died. And that will come to us all. It's inevitable. It's something over which we have no control. Death is not obliging. Rarely comes in the manner or time of our choosing. And so one day, whenever or however that will be, unless Jesus comes back first, we will encounter death. It's unavoidable. Yet Paul's confidence was that as God raised Jesus to life, so he will also raise us to life by his Spirit. The key is inviting God's Spirit to come into our hearts because the promise is that if the Spirit of the God who raised Jesus from the dead is in our hearts, 
then the God who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal body through his Spirit who lives in us. It is a copper-bottom guarantee. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, he has promised he will raise your mortal body from death to life. So life after death is not a matter of uncertain speculation or wishful thinking. It's about putting your trust in the God who raises the dead and trusting that he will do that for you when the time comes. Going out on a limb, trusting God, trusting him enough to ask him to come into your heart by his spirit and hand the reins of your life over to him and say, Jesus is Lord. More than that, to say, Jesus is my Lord. And it's not like some life assurance policy that you take out one day and just forget about until your next of kin cashes it in when the time comes. It's a decision that affects the entire orientation of our lives. It means not doing your own thing anymore. It means living your whole life God's way. Letting him to put to death the things that really have no place in our lives. And living our whole existence on the basis of a relationship of trust in God, where he has the controlling influence in our hearts by his Spirit. So he calls us out onto a limb and says, do you trust me enough to allow me to show you what to do with your life? If your life's been heading in the wrong direction, time to admit that, let him take over, because actually he knows the way to live far better than you do yourself. So this is the God who raises the dead, and this is the God who calls us out onto a limb to put our faith in him. Is there a particular branch that God is calling you to venture out onto? Is it becoming a Christian for the very first time, inviting your spirit into his heart to say for the first time and mean it, Jesus is my Lord? Is it to get baptised and nail your colours to the mast, being prepared to let the past be the past and to trust Jesus for the future? Is it to put your faith into practice in some other way, to obey God's call to venture down some new path which looks really daunting and quite scary, but you know God is calling you to do this for him? Or is it to believe that the God who raises the dead can turn your life and situation around and somehow bring new life where at the moment there is nothing but emptiness and desolation? The God who is calling you out on a limb is the God who raises the dead to life. And he calls you to put your trust in him. You might like to do that in a quiet prayer as the service ends. You might like to go to the prayer corner and ask people to pray with you or have a word with me or another Christian whom you know and trust. We are happy to listen and to pray with you. But why not? If you hear God speaking to you, why not go out on a limb and put your trust in him tonight?